coming up on Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. It's such a common piece these days, isn't it? To discover your purpose and to find your why. The problem comes when that becomes an exercise to create some words, which end up being words on a page, but not much more than that. There are more brilliant insights like that to come from our guest today, Chet Majaria. But not only that, Chet's given us an exclusive offer for the show. You can get his best-selling book, Work Worth Doing, signed paperback version, shipped directly to your door. He's going to cover posts and packaging. All you have to do is go to the show notes, click on the link and purchase through there. So thanks a million, Chet, for giving us this offer. And let's get to it. Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts, David Clancy and Kieran Dunn. This is a podcast about high performance. What we are striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high performing individuals tick, why they do what they do and why they are successful. Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons and learnings. Buckle your seatbelts, everyone. Episode number 115. Today we spoke with Chet Morgeria, number one best-selling author of Work Worth Doing and creator of the Business with Meaning Accelerator. A business and communications coach and founder of Realign Global, Chet works with individuals to realign their offerings and marketing so they both powerfully represent their value and values. Ex-managing editor of Breaking Muscle, a health and fitness website with 8 million monthly visitors, 6 editors and 200 writers, Chet focuses at the intersection of meaningful work and powerful words. He knows how to align a business, it's people is communications towards a common goal. We talk about vision, values, work-life alignment, connection, and communication, all essential ingredients to success in business and sport. Chet talks about language and stories and why narratives are so important for us to understand ourselves better. Default behavioral styles and teams and personality profiling is explained by Chet, plus his 5M model of meaning, market, mission, methodology, and model. This show is work worth doing, as we have the opportunities to speak with people like you, Chet. Thank you. Chet Madraria, how are you? Thanks for coming on. How are things? Very good. Hi, David. Hi, Kieran. And I'm going to give you 9.5 out of 10 for pronunciation of the surname as well. <laughs> We're really grateful that you've managed to come on and spend some time with us today. Where are you calling in from? Calling in from near Reading in the UK. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. And I think we're going to start with, you've published a book recently and something we're both really looking forward to diving into. But the question we'd often ask people that have written a book is, why were you the person to write that book? So what happened in your life that made that the book you had to write? Mm, what a great question. So the book is called Work Worth Doing. And the subtitle is Align Your Value with Your Values and Make a Meaningful Mark on the World. And the book is about, well, you can probably tell from the subtitle, right? The book is about understanding that your value comes from this meaningful stuff in your work, in your life. It comes from your values. It comes from your vision. And then how to actually do that stuff, how to actually create it, and then put it into your life, put it into your work, put it into your words, and put it into your world. And so it might not come as any surprise to to you that, Two of the big reasons for me writing this book and why it was me was because of my vision and because of my values. So my vision is for every human, particularly every entrepreneur, every business person to be aligned to their work, the work that they do, their words, their communications and their world, like their people, but also the world that they live in. 
And so I find so often with, uh, with entrepreneurs that actually it's this, this feeling of disconnection that they can't quite put their finger on, this lack of alignment, there's this feeling like there's something missing, which, which prevents them and stops them and halts them from doing really powerful, really meaningful work. And so this book is, is in line with my vision and, and, my, uh, and a way to an entry point for people to discover what work worth doing, what meaningful work is for them so that they can be more aligned and more connected with what they're doing and therefore provide better value, but also be valued emotionally and financially as well. Brilliant. And we do a lot of work with athletes and clients, and we always try and get them to use a process of identifying their own values and pretty much trying to align it with what you're saying in Mm. terms of the purpose, in terms of the work that they're doing. We often don't look at the communication aspect. So do you want to tell us why you you feel that's valuable and why that can have real impact for people? Yes. So you're right there. So when, you know, there's, there's a couple of pitfalls I see when it comes to creating values and using values within your work and words, within your communication, like you say. The first part comes in the actual creation of values in that it's such a common piece these days, isn't it? To discover your purpose and to find your why. The problem comes when that becomes an exercise to create some words, which end up being words on a page, but not much more than that. This is the first hurdle, right? Because before we even get into how to communicate it, what ends up happening often is actually a misalignment from the very start in that, you know, someone tells you your business coach or your marketing coach or Um, Or you just read it in a book somewhere, you see it on a website. And so you're like, oh, I need to create my values. And you create these things. And perhaps inherent in the process, and we can discuss that if if you want to, what we end up with is is something that sounds fancy, but actually doesn't really truly reflect the human being. And that's where we have to start, right? Because if we don't start from that place, we're not going to feel the confidence to actually take these words and put them out there in the world and say, hey, you know what? Like, this is me. This is who I am. And this is what I'm about. And this is, if you want to understand about me, like these three words and these three sentences say, say everything. So, so that I would say is, is the first hurdle. And then, yes, absolutely. Being able to take those values and not just uh, express them in your communication with, you know, a post as soon as you've created it on social media saying, here are my three values, they're, they're this, this, and this. We need to understand what they actually mean to us, what they mean to our people. And then we start getting somewhere because then we can take the communication of these values. We can have discussion and conversation around this communication. And actually we can build some really cool stuff from it as well in terms of our work and our business. Yeah, I love that. That really resonates with the, with the work we try to do, Chet. Yeah, I definitely need to play on, you know, the fact you're, you call yourself a business and a communications coach. And what we're already picking up here is the importance of language mm. and, and powerful words. And especially when people are working with individuals, oftentimes it is the language that you use and, and kind of how you convey it that is so important. Like, I'd like to agree. dive into that a little bit more with you on to the importance of language. Mm. The interesting thing about stories I find is that it's it's the retrospective perspective that that allows us allows them to become stories right allows us to take the narratives and figure out actually 
what is the story? Like, what are the threads that run through this? And for me, there's it's useful for me to, to analyze my story, story like this and to continue to analyze my story like this. And, and by this, I mean, what are the threads? What are the themes that, that run through um, my life and my work, whether I knew them at the time or not? And there's a couple that you may find, you, you and the, the listeners may find interesting here and which lead us to this, this point about language being important within, especially within coaching, especially within communication and especially within health and fitness and wellness and, and that side of coaching too. So in a retrospect, I can see now and I'm embracing the fact now that my the intersection in which I work best is meaningful work and powerful words. And you can probably see that in, in the book. Hopefully the book is is some kind of manifestation of that. Um, and, and what I mean by an intersection here specifically is if I'm doing stuff, I'm talking or doing work around meaningful work, if I'm simply doing meaningful work, like that, that feels good. It feels pretty good, but it, it's not all there. If I am, if I'm in, engaged in work where I am engaged in language and powerful words, that feels good too. But it's really when those two things come together, where meaningful work and powerful words meet, where I find myself, where that's work worth doing for me. And I mean that in the way that I can provide the most value at that place and that I get the most fulfillment and, and value at that place. And so if you want to talk about how that, that came together, I, I see three themes running through my story. So We've got this idea of business and that started from all sorts of failed entrepreneurial <laughs> ventures when I was a kid. Uh, but but also if you're looking at academically, so I went to, to St. Andrews and got a master's in, in management. And even then, the business side wasn't quite enough. So I ended up picking loads of extra modules up in psychology because it was the human aspect of, of business that, that really intrigued me. So Business was this one piece that from childhood, you know, just just ran through. Um, I, I immersed myself in it academically and then coming out the side of that did like, you know, graduate management training schemes and all sorts of, of different business pieces, worked in the city for a while. So that the exploration of business has been a theme for the last what a couple of decades now, giving away my age here a little bit. And the coaching theme is an, is another theme. So you've got business and you've got coaching. And uh, that was through uh, some tennis coaching back in the day and then finding my way into health, health and fitness coaching. And that started to bring about the idea of meaningful work. I didn't quite realize it at the time, but um, I found myself coaching coaches very quickly and that just felt like the right thing to do. Didn't really, that, that, that was a product of many different things. It was a product of like being quite early on in the scene in the UK. And so uh, there wasn't much coach education going on. There was a gap there. I had the sort of skill set to, to fill it and it felt right. Um, it, was the, it was having some really um, incredibly well-timed and placed mentors in place that, that just helped me with that. And I kind of fell into that a little bit but it felt like work worth doing at the time. And so that moved into running a coaching business, which focused, it was called Strength Education. And that's that was focused on teaching coaches uh, how to coach because that was a strange paradox to me. It felt like 
the work that we do is so incredible. It's so meaningful. It's so powerful. And so much of the power lies in language. So much of the power lies in the communication, but so little of the education is around communication, right? It, it's nuts. And so this this was placed to to flip the balance there. That was something I was unwilling to accept, which is where I think a lot of good projects come from. What are you unwilling to accept in the world and 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 what are you going to do about it? So so that was that. And the more I continued to do that, the less I felt connected to the ideas of the mechanics and the more I felt connected to the ideas of the language and communication. And that just simply was where my skill set was, where my heart was or and is and, and everything else. So I shifted that business to be more and more focused on how to communicate powerfully and meaningfully with your clients and spoke at industry summits on work with meaning and creating powerful communications and, and all this kind of stuff. And then perhaps the step before this the way I see work worth doing and meaningful work is when you do this stuff, when you take the right steps, steps in the right direction, it feels convergent, right? It feels like these themes are combining. And so every step I took in my career, it felt like this was a step closer to merging business and coaching and communications. It was a step closer to merging meaningful work and powerful words. And, and that came a step closer when I was a writer and then managing editor of Breaking Muscle, which is and was a health and fitness website. And if you look at the numbers there, we're talking, you know, 8 million monthly visitors, 8 editors, 200 writers. So that started to become like a big scale alignment, which is a, a good word in my book, of business and its people and its communications to, to a common goal. Had some horrible experiences of uh, you know in, of city work and, and work worth doing and meaningful work along the way, which obviously fueled this too. But this whole culmination of uh, of business and of coaching and and of communication, of meaningful work and of powerful words, is why I find myself why I found myself writing this book and building the business that I have now, which is all around coaches and consultants and creators and facilitating the creation of business with meaning and marketing with meaning. There's so much there that we want to get into. Um, one thing I'd like to build on is the paradox you mentioned, because we have seen that ourselves. As physios, we, we understand that education, the academia focuses on clinical skills, the hard stuff that is essential for your practice, but rarely do they look at the soft skills about how to connect with people, how to respect different cultures, how to even sell yourself correctly mm. and the communication bit is is massive so i'd love to try and get some practical tips from you if there was someone listening who was a health coach who was a coach or dealt with people in any way what would be the first tips you'd give to them to identify communication pieces or how they can improve their practice so let's see i think the first piece has to be uh, an understanding piece. And I'll offer some practical tips. So I'm not trying to shy away from the question here, but you, you know what it's like in anything, right? If we go straight into tactics without without creating the, um, the required understanding beforehand, that, uh, that that's a problem because I, I could be giving, I could be anyone giving any kind of advice and it doesn't necessarily connect with, with the important issues. And so all of this actually probably lends to my first piece of advice, which is, to ask questions more than giving advice, ironically enough. Um, and, and what I mean by that is we could be talking about um, consulting with a new client. We could be talking about uh, being 
uh, like just having day-to-day and week-to-week interactions with your clients. Um, we could be talking about marketing, if, if you like to call it that. So digital communications with either prospects or clients or, or whatever. And if we move ourselves to a place of curiosity and move ourselves to a place in real time, well, two things really, understanding what the, like, the deep needs and problems are of those clients by having ongoing conversations with them. And then in, at any given moment in time, trying to understand what that person needs because we don't know what our clients need at any given point in time. How can we? Our clients often, weirdly, don't necessarily know what they need at any given point in time. Sometimes they don't even know what they want, which, which can be even more of a problem. Very but, true. But yeah, right. But by, uh, but by questioning all the time by continuously asking questions and by getting skilled at the arts of coaching, coaching through questioning, athlete-centered coaching, client-centered coaching, listening to those responses and being able to ask further questions and what we might call empowered coaching. I guess like you might you might look at elements of like motivational interviewing and that kind of stuff where we are enabling our people, enabling our clients to, to figure out the answers for themselves and guide them along the way. Well, isn't that our job as coaches and as therapists? And isn't that such an empowering process for, for everyone concerned where we are, you know, what, what we do as coaching, as far as I, I see it, and this may be, uh, may be something that, not, that, that people don't like to hear, but we are doing educated guesswork most of the time. Like we don't know that what we're doing is gonna be right. It's, it's our, our best guess, it's our educated guess. So how do we educate ourselves? Well, we ask questions and that's the process. And actually, if you look at that from a scientific point of view, isn't that simply the scientific process anyway? Chat, yeah, you just you echo for us a previous guest, Michael Bungay-Stanier, who would say, don't always be given advice, keep asking questions and staying curious a little bit longer. So mm. it's great to hear that from you as well. Um, just like to dig into something that spotted on your on your LinkedIn and very curious that we've obviously touched on coaching here mm. and how you found yourself having to coach the coaches and we can uh, we can see the resemblance in our side with physios. But if you're part of, say, a team environment or, you know, a performance department, more than one person, the communication and uh, creating the rapport and the teamship sometimes doesn't always go to plan because there could be clashes of behavior or clashes of style of leadership or, and those sort of things. And you, you paid a bit of mention on your LinkedIn about disc profiling. Ah, uh, yeah. Something I've come across actually recently with, with somebody in the UK as well, and would love for you just to unpack that a little bit for the people that mightn't have heard or really understand the value in understanding a behavioral pattern of somebody. So how could I interact with you because I know what you're all about? Sure. Uh, well, you, you uh, summarize it very nicely there in the fact that desk profiling is behavioral profiling right so it's this idea of how can we figure out what the uh what the strengths and weaknesses are what the needs are it's very ties in very closely to what we just what we just said before what the needs are of the people that we're coaching and how can we match that with what we do best so disc profiling you can look at in a in a number of different ways um and it took me a while to find 
my sweet spot with it. And uh, for me, the power in disk in disk profiling is to enable you to do your best work with your best people. And and what I mean by that is, you know, there's no uh, there's no one right disk profile uh, in terms of even if you're looking at a profession or you're looking at being an athlete or you're looking at being a coach or anything like that, what are your default behaviors? So how, when you are in a very relaxed or very stressed state, and you know, when, when you get into the context of stresses and the context of at like sport and, and athleticism, then often you find yourself under pressure. So what behaviors come out as a default of that and what needs come out as a, as a default of that? And how is that best met? And if you understand, first of all, yourself from that perspective as a facilitator or a coach or a leader or a therapist, and then second of all, your athletes from that perspective, you can then go about finding out where there's matches. You can then go about finding out where there's conflicts. Um, and your awareness of that is going to be really powerful in understanding where you in advance and in real time and in retrospect where you might fall short within your coaching and therefore be able to do something about it. And that plays into, I think, what, what you were saying around teams as well. Super powerful um, in athletic teams and in business teams to be able to understand what kind of behavioral, default behavioral styles uh, people have and how they they intermix. And there's probably one more little nuance that I want to, one more sort of piece I should add around this profiling as well, which is, the reason that we want to dig into another reason we want to dig into behavioral styles is every human being does have a particular set has a set of be- like behavioral limiters and behavioral strengths. So behavioral weaknesses and behavioral strengths, and often those strengths and weaknesses are two sides of the same coin. And if you ask a particular team member, a particular athlete, or yourself to step away and be, and be stretched out of those behavioral defaults too much or for too long. If you ask someone to basically be someone they're not, so we're going back to values here as well, and you ask them to do that too much, well, if you stretch anyone or anything too long and, and too much, it's going to snap. And, and that's exactly what we're talking about here. So that understanding of different behavioral styles isn't to say isn't necessarily about change, it's about awareness and then being able to do do meaningful work to fill in the gaps. That's a great summary and a nice piece on the end that's already mentioned about it's more awareness than having trying to change behaviors or anything. I think with behavioral profiling, there's certain ones that are out there in terms of the disc. There's also many in the US and they're used in a lot of corporations, they use it for a lot of people, but there's not a lot of stuff based on value profiling. And there's a lot of exploration gone into it over the last few years that people are trying to understand their values better. I'm wondering for you and for the listeners, do you have a specific process that you undertook to do all the reflection based on the the culmination of what you said was the the businesses and your experiences to sort of understand your own values? So the, the easiest and quickest yet also most powerful way I've found of helping people to of, of uh, yeah of enabling people to understand their own values it's an exercise around anti values and this is in the book as well but let me explain it now so um, it, it comes from years and years of doing this work with um, with human beings because actually it's always with human beings humans have values businesses don't have values business values come from human values and so 
doing this work with humans, but like, and that could be like just simply to figure out what your values are as a human being, as an, and then moving into taking that into business, also with teams within businesses of all sorts of shapes, shapes and sizes. What I found was this. Values are ultimately all about the things that are most important to you, right, in a very simplified sentence. And so asking someone instantly, and especially perhaps in, in like a first facilitation, what is truly and deeply important to them in their lives and their work is a pretty complex question to unpack, right? Um, however, if you ask someone, hey, what really winds you up? Somehow people have a better time of answering that. Normally when I ask people what's, what angers them, frustrates them, winds them up, what they're unwilling to accept in this world, like, you know, they need more paper and more time, right? So, uh, and so this is a basis of being able to figure out what your values are, because let's just unpack values a little bit more and understand why this might work. And then I'll explain the exercise. So the, the reason that the reason that this works is if something grates at you, if it winds you up, if um, if a particular scenario or a particular situation, uh, you know, it's one of those things that if you saw something happening in public, you'd feel compelled to say something about it. And if you didn't say something about it, that would grate at you afterwards. These are the types of situations I'm talking about, which you can pick out, you can write down and try to then understand what values are underneath that. The reason that works is because if something is, is getting under your skin, if it's that visceral, then it's probably against your values. And if it's against your values, well, that's good enough for us because we can figure out what is it against, what the positive version of that is and start to build into your values. So the exercise is quite simple. It's first of all, writing down it's the situations that really perplex you, they frustrate you, they wind you up and just writing down a list of those situations. Then writing down from there, what is it about those situations that that really gets you feeling like that? So it could be like a lack of respect, for example, that starts to emerge as a pattern from those conversations. See if you can put that into a, a single, like a short phrase or a single word and then flip that. So flip that to be, what is the, the positive aspect of that? You might look at a sense of entitlement as, as a pattern in a number of situations that wind you up. And then when you flip that, you might come up with ideas of, for example, responsibility and ownership. So then you start to take all these, these things that wind you up, start to take these, these ideas that are converging of the patterns that you see within these situations, flip them to find the words which might describe the underpinning values. And then if you want the gold standard, you take that and then see if you can encapsulate your feelings about that positive value word in a single sentence. If it was responsibility, what does responsibility mean to you? If it was empowerment, then what does empowerment mean to you? If it was ownership, what does ownership mean to you? It's brilliant because it's it's so much more than just words. You're given actions. You're giving something that really you can taste and relate to. So really love that kind of tangible piece there, Chet. I'd like to ask you a little bit about something else we found when we were looking into was was your business alignment score. We've talked a little bit on alignment, meaningful words, values, how that all comes to play and you know, what we're trying to do when we're working is obviously find some coherence so that we're happy, satisfied, fulfilled, self-actualized, all those sort of things. Could you just unpack those elements and how that came to fruition? Because it's very valuable and I think our listeners would really 
get an awful lot from it. Of course, yes. So the thing you picked up on is a scorecard and it's all around business alignment and understanding your people. So business alignment and your market, all all of that stuff. What it's based on is when you're looking to understand what work worth doing is for you. Well, that's, that's one thing. But then what do you do with that understanding? Well, once you've figured out what work worth doing is for you, it's time to shape your world and work to do as much of that as possible. Typically, that's going to be for an entrepreneur around building a business with meaning based on that work. And what I mean by a business with meaning is, again, we're talking about this idea of an intersection. So it's something that's aligned with your true values, has impact, it gives your customers deep value, but it also takes you to being emotionally and financially valued. And just as a slight tangent there for a second, so much in the, in the helping professions, in the coaching world, I think we see a lot of people who are very invested in giving like value driven, values driven work, value driven work, meaningful work and giving to their people. But the bit that is often missing is what they get back in return. And so fulfilling work is this sweet spot between giving deep value and also being emotionally and financially valued yourself. Now, to build a business with meaning, it hinges on understanding your target market and hinges on on creating offerings and marketing that resonate with their needs and your values. And that comes from aligning five elements. So we're talking about how you take this work worth doing and create and build a business that you believe in from it. And so those five elements are in this order. They are meaning. So first of all, not surprisingly, that's understanding your vision and your values. What do you want from this stuff? What do you want from your business? What do you want from your life? What do you want from this journey? Once you understand that, then you can move into the, there's, there's five M's basically. So first is meaning, second is market. So the market is, well, who is your target market? What do they need? What do they value? What are their values? What are the deep problems they need help with? What We go back to the behaviors piece. What are the behaviors that stop them from taking action? If you can answer those questions, you are streaks ahead when it comes to understanding who your people are. And if you understand who your tier one people are, who your best clients are, and how to what their deep needs are, you are so well-placed already in terms of creating a business with meaning because any meaningful work has to be based on solving the deep needs of your people, right? If it isn't, it's, it's just got no basis. It's not going to be meaningful work no matter how much you try. It's not going to fulfill you because as a helper, as a coach, or someone in this type of profession, you like that that piece of fulfillment that comes from being of service to your people, we were off on the wrong start. So meaning and market, if we can nail those two, those that's a really, really strong foundation. The third M is mission. So if doing meaningful work is an intersection of doing your best work with your best clients, then we need to understand how you do your best work. That's mission. So that's uncovering how you do what you do best. What's the true impact of your work? What's the true value of your work? We start to go into the language of that. How do you communicate it? But more importantly, we go in, well, just as importantly, we need to look at where to focus your efforts. How do you not be distracted by all the the shiny objects and shiny projects around you? How do we stay focused on you doing your best work? So, so far we've got meaning, market, and mission, and then we move into method. So this is 
the, the fourth piece out of five. Now we can talk about how to actually create the business. How do you sharpen that understanding? How do you create a transformational customer journey? Because we're all in the business of transformations here. They don't have to be physical. Physical might be a small part. It might be a big part. But there's many other aspects, emotional, psychological, mental transformations that, that we all do work in without even realizing sometimes or without bringing to the forefront. So how do we shape that, that journey and how do we create a unique methodology around that? That's such an important part because once you have a unique methodology, it really allows you to then express what you do to the people who you can help best in a way that it connects with them and shows them what their journey will be like. Then the last part is model. And so after, after the methodology, we create a, a model. And this is the part where most people start, right? Often we do things upside down. You know, often in, in training, like we we kind of don't go through the, the understanding process and we just decide that we kind of want to do something a certain way because we, we saw it on Instagram or our mates doing it or whatever. Um, and it's not that different in business. Sometimes we see other people doing things. We see other business models and we and we see uh, lots of people doing the same thing. And all of those are like, well, maybe I should be doing that. Well, actually, it's potentially the opposite a lot of the time. When the majority does one thing, we, we probably know to do the opposite. But what that means in model is, okay, so we've got all the basis. We've got the meaningful basis. We understand who our market is. We understand how we do our best work. We've got uh, a customer experience and journey set up. Now, what are the specifics? How do we package it up? in a way which really connects with their needs? How do we actually build products which channel the right behaviors within the offerings themselves? Because actually, if we can do that within our product, it's less about just telling people what to do all the time. We spoke about that in the language side and more about creating offerings which in themselves channel the, the behaviors that are in the best interests of our clients and ourselves. And then pricing, how do we how do we look at the packaging and productization and pricing? And pricing for me is very simple. Pricing is the story that pricing tells. Once you have all that stuff, you are at the tail end of building a business with meaning. And the secret sixth then, then is marketing. So it's not so secret, but, but often people get to it first. So once you've done all of that stuff, now we can start talking about the marketing and, and communication, which might seem like a long road round, but unless we are attaching meaningful work to powerful words. It's literally only half the equation, right? That's brilliant. You've done something that hasn't happened many times. I've gone to the second page of my A4 diary here and not oh, jotting down on my notes, so that's good. <laughs> it's always a good sign. Um, people that are looking, that are interested now about the book, um, ourselves included, where's the best place to go? Where would you like people get it really? And what kind of impact would you like to have with the book for people? What great questions. So you can head over to, to good old Amazon and uh, and pick up the book. Or I don't know whether it's possible. Is it possible to um, to attach a link to this podcast? Yeah, no problem. Yeah, definitely. Cool. So if people want to get a signed copy of the book, I would I will happily do that for, for your listeners. Um, so if I'll, I'll send you a link, if you can, if you can attach it to this, then uh, they can just request a signed copy of the book. It's literally the same price on Am as Amazon. I'll cover the PNP and uh, would love to, to you know, be able to put a, a personal message and a personal note into there and uh, and send it out to your readers. And and in terms of starting points, then that's that's probably a really good place to, to get started because to my mind, this work with doing piece, the meaning pieces I just explained in terms of those five M's is um, 
It's the basis of everything. So the impact that I, I want to have from that I'd want to have with this book is ties right back in, into my vision. So because and that's how it should be, right? Impact the impact that you want to have on any piece of work or with through any piece of work that you do should be aligned to the to the vision that you have. And this is no different. In fact, hopefully it's the epitome of that. So for me, that is for human beings, for business owners, for entrepreneurs, for coaches to feel aligned to their work, to their words and to their world. So if this enables people to move a step closer to that, to understanding what that fulfilling piece of work is for them, that place where work feels fun and freeing and financially rewarding and enables them to start to be able to communicate that first of all to themselves and then to others, then we are off to a winning streak and hopefully they can go onwards from there or I can help them from there. Just like to say, Chet, thanks very much for extending that offer to everyone listening. Really appreciate it. And look, you've touched on so many so many important themes and lessons and, and pieces of wisdom we can all take from today to impact what we're doing personally and professionally. So just want to thank you for that as well. Each person that comes on this in this podcast, we always finish with a very simple, simple question, which is quite simply, Chet, what does high performance mean to you? Oh, that is a good question. Wasn't expecting that one. <laughs> uh, as I'm sure is often the case. Take the idea of high performance. High performance for me would be around like reaching the peak of uh, your potential when it comes to performance in this case. And uh, I think that in order to reach the peak of our potential, we kind of need to define where we're going in the first place. And so, and and also where where we are, like where we're at. So this understanding of like a, uh, where we're at right now, where we want to go and then, and, and where we need to be, what high performance is for us and then bridging that gap. So that's what it would mean to me. It would mean understanding where we're starting from, what's our what's our grounding, and what's con- going to continue to keep us focused on the pathway to high performance. Um, understand, and which in my case is values, but in in you know it c- could be something else. Um, understanding where we're going with this, the point B, um, which in my case is is vision, but you could have more quantitative goals there too. And then it's and then once you understand where you're at, how to stay focused, and how to get to that goal, it's it's a case of attempting and doing your best to put it into action, right? Chet, we'd like to say thank you very much for sharing your story with us today. All about meaningful work, powerful words, language, communication, and so many other keystones. We, we both really enjoyed it and we're grateful for your time. So stay fit, stay well, and uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks again. Thanks, David. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Chet. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat, a story of high performance. This was brought to you by Howora, a whole person wellbeing company founded and run from Dublin, Ireland. Find out more at howoralife.com, spelt H-A-U-O-R-A life.com. Please rate, review and share the podcast. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. The GOAT, Michael Jordan.